Welcome to InfoSecurity Magazine's monthly podcast, bringing you news highlights, topical debate, and expert interviews from the information and cybersecurity world. Before we start today's episode, I want to mention our sponsor, Elastic. From the makers of Elastic Research, Elastic Security unifies the capabilities of SIM and security analytics, extended detection and response, and cloud security to help teams protect, investigate, and respond to threats before damage is done. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this April edition of the Info Security Magazine podcast. Uh, my name is Beth Mondrell, and I'm joined this month by our deputy editor, James Coker. Hi, James. Hi, Beth. How are you doing? Yeah, good. And I'm quite excited about this month's uh, podcast because we're going to be talking all things RSA. Um, So the conference out in San Francisco that both James and myself will be heading to. We're going to be talking about what to expect and what we'll be covering at the event. And later on in the episode, we'll hear from Pam Nigro, who is the uh, board chair at ISACA and also VP of security at Medicision. Uh, She's a regular attendee of RSA and she's going to give her views on some of the things I think will be the most talked about topics at this year's conference. So this will be my first time attending the event and I think I picked a pretty good year as it's the first post-pandemic year the event is really going to be back in full force. From what I understand it last year it a it had been moved um, to accommodate lockdown restrictions and also it was more of a hybrid event I'm not sure so many people were venturing out as they are this year Um, but James you did make it across the pond in 2022 Hmm. so um, just on last year how was it what was it that you kind of thought stood out from the event? Well first and foremost it was my first time in San Francisco and indeed California as well and uh, yeah what I saw of the city I really really loved it. Aside from the conference we also did a did a wine tour of Napa Valley on uh, one of the days that we were there which was really really fun Um, albeit kind of exposed my limited wine knowledge to be honest but as you say the event itself there was still very much the backdrop backdrop of COVID-19 and I think a lot of people understandably still quite nervous about attending in person and and sort of meeting networking and things like that which is which is very understandable um so yeah the kind of, i'd never been before but yeah definitely the pe- people i'd spoke to said that it wasn't as busy and perhaps bustling as it as it would be normally that said there were still a lot of really good presentations and sessions that were going on dur- during the event um a couple that i can remember that st- stuck out were um, a panel discussion about about privacy which involved the chief privacy officers from google linkedin and apple so it was interesting getting those guys together in a room and, and sort of um, butting heads at times a little bit. And it's also a great opportunity, this event, to hear directly from, from the federal government on initiatives that they're doing in cybersecurity. So, for example, Jen Easterly um, had a presentation and she's the director of CISA. I think for me, probably the standout, though, was was just being able to meet a lot of cybersecurity experts based in the US, a lot of people who I've only kind of spoken to via video calls or, or emails before then. So it was great to be able to catch up with quite a few people over, over a coffee and, and an interview. 
view in person. So that was probably the standout from last year. And I, I hope we can do a similar thing again. Yeah, it sounds like um, you've got to have a bit of a stomach for coffee consumption at RSO because <laughs> a lot of these let's grab a quick coffee uh, messages are being uh, thrown into my inbox, that's for sure. And um, yeah, I think this year as well, we will definitely hear a lot from US government and federal authorities on what they're doing. But before we start talking about 2023, a quick message from our sponsor. Elastic Security is the only open source platform built on Elastic Research and uniquely positioned to help security operations teams eliminate data silos, automate prevention, detection and response, and streamline security investigations by leveraging advanced analytics with years of data from across an organization's entire attack surface. If you're ready to move beyond tackling today's alerts at the expense of tomorrow's preparedness, modernize your security operations with Elastic Security. Get started today for free at elastic.co slash security. That's elastic.co forward slash security. So we've already been planning our 2023 RSA coverage and having a bit of a think about what we think will be some of the key themes based on the conference program itself, as well as what's generally being talked about in the cybersecurity community. And I think the first one that we're going to kind of dive into, and also Pam will talk about this in a lot more detail later, is Biden's national cybersecurity strategy in the US that was announced in March 2023. Um, So we know that's going to be talked about quite a lot. Is there anything, James, you think we should be looking out for? Yeah, definitely. I I agree. I think that's going to be um, a big big aspect of a lot of sessions around government involvement in in cyber security um probably feed into a lot of the other sessions as well um i think linked link to that we're going to have a lot on russia and and nation state attacks um, that's obviously an area that saw grow massively last year in the wake of the russia ukraine conflict um and it's obviously a massive threat to organization given kind of the big resources that nation state affiliated groups often have um and it's not just russia who are sort of the perpetrators of this as well um there's a yeah quite a few other countries um that are commonly associated with with such attacks i think the AI is going to obviously it was a it was a big topic last year as well, but I think the the emergence of ChatGPT um, at the end of last year has has really kind of pushed AI to the to the forefront and the sign of cybersecurity and privacy implications of that technology. So that's something we've seen a lot in in, in the magazine. Yeah. And, in the last few months and I think that's going to be prominent during the conference as well. Yeah we've certainly been covering um, that quite a bit. Just going back to the government stuff as well I think cyber warfare in general is something that's being discussed quite openly and with quite a lot of um, emphasis on that um, Russia-Ukraine conflict. Just to highlight a couple of sessions I guess that RSA will be covering this topic. So there's one that will be looking at how the military is leveraging cybersecurity and defending against attacks. Um, It seems that they'll be talking kind of directly almost to the audience. This is US Cyber Command on how they can play, uh, how the audience 
organizations can play a role in protecting against cyber attacks. So it'll be interesting to hear their angle on that. Um, and of course, you mentioned Ukraine there. There is a session on the US-Ukraine cyber partnership. Obviously, a lot of Western countries have um, built partnerships with Ukrainian entities to defend against cyber attacks because they are borderless, which the session highlights that cyber has no borders. Um, so this that session will be with um, the FBI and how they've been working to build coalitions of countries that are like-minded and standing together against um, cyber adversaries. So definitely something that will continue to be a major part of the discussion. And yeah, AI, every time I talk about AI and chat GBT, I'm very conscious that it can completely take over the conversation. And I hope it doesn't completely take over RSA, but it is something that people are just going to be talking about. It's new, it's exciting. It can be used for positives as well as negatives. Um, So one of the sessions, I think that is quite interestingly titled um, for RSA is uh, ChatGBT, how it's not just for writing malware, how defenders can use it. So it's there's two sides of the story with everything. And I think that's going to come across with the use of AI and ChatGBT. It's not just about how threat actors and those kinds of people are using it. It's also about how we as a cybersecurity community can leverage it and leverage it practically. I know a lot of people say, oh, AI, it's just a marketing tool. It's just a marketing buzzword. But I think we're now, if if it's in the mainstream now, so mm. definitely people can be using it. Yeah, as you say, it's now sort of having a real life impact for for kind of the ordinary people, not just kind of security people, uh, that, sort of people in the industry. Sorry. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely feeling a lot more. Even like friends and family, I know, are sort of talking about it a bit because of because of ChatGPT. So yeah, fascinating stuff. Yeah, there was a couple of other sessions that that really caught my eye as well. Kind of kind of a couple of I'd say niche areas, perhaps. Um, there's cyber threat specifically to the music industry and also the sport industry so uh, I'm looking forward to those sessions as well Um, and I think another aspect I wanted to uh, point out was also um, a lot of topics around development and training which I think is a massive thing for our audience and I'll be really looking forward to sort of the initiatives around that with retention uh, kind of a massive issue in, in the industry so I think new ways of of kind of enticing people to to stay in their roles and enable them to develop um, within organizations is is a huge area now yeah and I think that comes to like the diversity talking point as well how that's being tackled and obviously we know that there are the three plus million um, cybersecurity vacancies out there and one thing that I've picked up in that kind of realm of um skills uh, recruitment is that the US in particular has been hit by a wave of tech layoffs. So a lot of the big uh, Silicon Valley companies, Twitter, Meta, Google, Amazon, Microsoft have been making significant staff layoffs this year. Um, Whatever the reasoning, um, I think there's a, a number of different theories like companies being bloated in terms of the amount of staff they've had. They've not really managed their finances well since the COVID pandemic and have had to make significant layoffs. And obviously the case of Twitter 
Twitter is relatively unique with um, Elon Musk taking the helm and kind of making a lot of layoffs when he did so. Um, so I think a lot of it's going to be where do these people fit into the cybersecurity world? Do they? Is there a place for them here? How is that going to impact the um, cybersecurity skills equilibrium? A couple of emails have come through my inbox already with people willing to talk on this subject. So it'll be interesting to see how that transpires. And I think we have felt it elsewhere, but it, I think it is a particularly acute issue um, in the States. So that's mm. the stuff we are thinking is probably going to be the biggest talking points. Obviously, there's a lot more technical stuff on the program agenda, uh, cloud security, DevSecOps, you name it, it's on the program for RSA. So we'll also be tackling some of those topics as well. But in my interview with um, Pam Nigro, I do ask her about her view on some of these themes that we've picked out that will be discussed at uh, the RSA conference this year. So um, I think we can head over to that interview now and take a listen. Well, Pam, thank you so much for joining me. And obviously, you have been to RSA a number of times. So a really great person to be able to let us know what you think people will be talking about. So in terms of what's going on in the US, obviously, one of the big things that's happened in the last couple of months is Biden's, uh, President Biden's national cybersecurity strategy that was released in March. So how much do you think people are going to be talking about that and how much of an impact, if any, is it having on how U.S. organizations are thinking about cybersecurity? Well, I think it'll have a pretty big impact, especially um, the way the government has restructured. It's not just about how the government's doing business. It's also about how the government's supply chain is doing business, right? So I know one of the biggest challenges that we're focused on is not necessarily 100% security related, but still very, you know, a big part of what we do is what, what's been called an, um, an SBOM here. So your software bill of materials and, you know, trying to gather that information and having the right security and having the right testing and having the right um, data around that to be able to provide that information is, is one of, uh, at least at my company, I'm sure it's going to be a big topic. I hear a lot about it all throughout um, my, you know, network and just trying to understand how in the world do you start to do something like this and do it in a way that doesn't compromise your organization revealing you know sometimes um, maybe confidential or you know company confidential information yeah i think the s-bomb debate is something that's definitely flourishing at the moment um, with organizations considering how they kind of tackle that um, do you think what, what do you think people are going to be really wanting to find out about um, S-bombs in particular, like just how to get started? I know you said about the compromising data. The thing that we're finding is many people are using open source products without understanding the kind of supply chain to the open source products. Some people are using open source products when they shouldn't be open source if you're using it in a commercial event. Some people are using open source products that haven't been updated in quite a number of years. And so it's now you're you're seeing the underside of coding, so to speak, right? There's a there's a lot that has gone into coding, and we've worked very much in a modular type environment, which is super. But nobody's gone back to rethink something 
another team may have done eight years ago, you know, and how do you now make sure that you're getting the most up-to-date open source items into your code and that you're also getting authentic open source items into your code? That is another big concern, especially from a security perspective to where you don't know where some of the stuff came from and you don't know whether it's true open source, if it's someone else's you know, um, time bomb waiting to kind of go off in your code. So, you, you know, you, it, it now causes you to really look underneath and start to examine that and look from a security perspective, a privacy perspective, a legal perspective, all of those things now come into play. Yeah. And do you think that um, like the government issuing these kind of like strategies and stuff accelerates people's need to look into these things or or has it already been something that people have been quite concerned about? I don't think it was on the radar until it was actually some of the incidences that have happened over the last few years. Now, all of a sudden, it's starting to become more and more prevalent. People are asking more questions. And of course, with this mandate, now everyone's pausing to look at their code, especially if you're doing uh, you know business with the government. That's a, That's a huge impact and you wouldn't think there's companies who you wouldn't think would do government with, uh, business with the government that, you know, are still impacted by this. Because, again, if you're looking at the entire supply chain and so a vendor of the government may be saying, well, I am also going to make this requirement of my vendors. And so it's been cascading out and it's starting to become a, a much you know, bigger topic than I think people realize, especially, like I said, going back and looking at that open source stuff, looking at, you know, it, it, when was the last time it was updated? Um, is it even a good open source product? Should you be using it? Are there other products that maybe should be replaced, which then starts into, you know, now you got to, you know, you, you got to get into development work, you got to, you know, kind of re-engineer the product. And, and that's just a lot of, cost, time, money, and, and things that are impactful in ways I don't think wasn't the initial intent of, of, yeah. of this conversation. So possibly it's opened a bit of a can of worms that people are now going to have to start um, investigating and um, working out, like you said, all that open source um, code and looking back at stuff perhaps they've not um, investigated for some time. So another topic that I think is probably going to be a big one at RSA. Uh, do we dare say it? Uh, ChatGPT, AI, I think it's just really taken over um, the conversation in cybersecurity and beyond. So what do you think of that? Do you think it's a bit overblown? Do you think the, uh, the um, concerns that some security professionals are valid? And how much at RSA do you think people are going to be talking about AI and what impact that's going to be having on their security? I think AI has been a topic for a long time and, and chat GTP just brought it right to the forefront. Really kind of now it's dinner table conversation because it certainly is in my household. We're talking about it all the time and you hear things on the news. And, and so you think about that. And, and one of the biggest concerns that uh, my organization is focused on and certainly a lot of my other colleagues is we started to build our security practices around behavior analytics. And so as we start to build out these behavior analytics, you're starting to be able to determine whether somebody's human, 
whether something is a system, you know, and you're, and you're able to make that distinction. Then you're able to put particular monitoring rules around that. You're able to put some additional security around those things. And so you are starting to build kind of a, a whole profile analysis and how your um, employees operate so that you could start to protect yourself when like, let's just say somebody may get an ID and a password and all of a sudden it doesn't meet the pattern so you can isolate it right away. It's one of the things that, that, that I've been focused on. But now I wonder if ChatGPT is that good, am I, is my analytics going to be able to catch that? Are we going to be able to see that? And not so much chat to you, but AI, right? I mean, now is that getting to a point where I'm not going to be able to distinguish my human actors from my, you know, AIs or or other kind of service accounts or other kinds of things that now the preventative controls that I put in place that are based on someone's behavior if they're mimicked and they're mimicked so well, how am I going to know? How am I going to be able to detect that? How am I going to be able to protect against that? Those are one of, and certainly one of the biggest things that I think about in terms of AI, especially as it's just, you're just actually astounded, honestly, when I play with the tool or the little things that I've done online to kind of play with it. It's like, this is amazing and, and scary all at the same time. And then starts to go, okay, wait, I put a lot of preventative controls in place. I've done things based on behavioral you know, analysis. And now can I rely on that? Is that still something that's going to be a good preventative control? Or do we need to like really rethink this? Yeah, no, certainly. And so do you think the those, um, especially on the vendor side, those vendors that are helping organizations with those preventative controls, do you think they'll be being asked a lot, well, what are you doing to support me with this change in um, behaviors that could be more difficult to spot, I guess? I think, uh, yes, I think they're going to have to kind of address some of their design of their tools because we do rely on some of their tools. And, and again, it's one of many, but it's it's kind of sometimes your keystone, right? It's it's kind of a keystone product that if you kind of remove that pin, you know, the 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 whole thing collapses. And so you you really want to make sure that the intelligence you're gathering to help keep your environment safe is not artificial. <laughs> You know, and I, and, and I think that's where, you know, as I start to really look into this further, and, and again, the dinner conversations, conversations at other meetings, I am sure this is going to be a huge topic at RSA, you know, what are we going to do about it? And, and it's, a, it's a challenge I don't have any answers for, and I'm, you know, excited to explore what's next uh, with my colleagues, and, and I'm looking forward to having the conversation with people at RSA to hear some of the things that they may be doing. Yeah, I think, and there's so many different angles with it. There's not just that that you spoke about, but obviously we've had um, people concerned about data privacy with these AI models as well. So I think that's another angle that will be um, probably touched on. Um, so my third topic that I think might 
it might be still being talked about maybe it might take I, d I don't know whether it will be quite as highly charged conversation as it was probably about 12 months ago but that is those geopolitical issues impacting cyber and we're really talking about the um, impact of the Ukraine Russia war where we saw a um, kind of a, a spike in obviously Ukraine in terms of cyber attacks against their national infrastructure but then um, governments across the world putting out warnings especially to critical national infrastructure that they'd be at higher risk because of the conflict. Do you think that's still a concern um, for organisations? Do you think people will still be talking about those kind of nation state threats or have they evolved? I still believe it's a big conversation in our uh, industry certainly within our, our practices here we actually do pay attention to when national leaders are meeting. I had spent some extra time and had my team spend extra time when Russia and China were getting together because does that mean more things are going to come out as a point as a, a you know that meeting? Um, if you know, I'm a little concerned um, in the U.S. that. We do, we meet with other leaders, other world leaders. We do things that certain countries or, or other nation states may not like. And, you know, does that uptick the, the amount of attacks and, and, and certainly the amount of, of, of viruses and, and certainly things that are trying to penetrate, especially critical infrastructure because it's maybe less, um, would be the word probably less invested in over the years mm. and and may have some additional vulnerabilities or or that and they're working hard to catch up but you know again that's that's a a little bit of a of a of a hill to climb and and yeah. and I know that we're focused on it in in the US as the world um, changes in 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 terms of its ge geopolitical landscape also, what happens or from my perspective happens is that your threat actors and your threats also change and come from different places and have different focuses and on different targets. Um, so one of the ones that was just come out was around uh, voice over IP. There was a big zero day here in the States and, and really kind of got people scrambling for a little bit. And, you know, so just even thinking about most of our technology now is voice over IP. And if somebody can compromise that and listen and make phone calls and do things, you know, on acting as you, right? That's that's part of the spoofing and other challenges that we have. Again, uh, it, I think it's just going to continue to be part of the conversation. I'm not really sure that the temperature has been taken down on that as all, at all. Yeah, and it's interesting what you said about like monitoring when like Russia's meeting with China, just going back to those like world um, events that are really happening. So I know um, the US just had a Taiwanese delegation visit as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that Russia piece, I think, that people are concerned about. It is really um, quite global. So those are my three things that I think people will be talking a little bit about. Over to yourself. You've obviously been to RSA a number of times, um, a complete expert in your field. So what do you think are the biggest themes that uh, outside of what we've discussed for this year's RSA conference? I think it's actually going to be more of a personal nature. Um, I think there's there's going to be people who now feel 
confident to venture out and to be part of the the event again and not and not be virtual. So I know there's so many colleagues that have reached out, wanted to know, if, you know, if I was going, looking forward to seeing each other and, and reconnecting. And I think one of the biggest advantages of RSA is really connecting with your colleagues, connecting with the industry, understanding what their concerns are, sharing your concerns, and that whole networking piece that while virtual is great and, and you can do it, there's just a different vibe to, to being live and in person. And then you get to meet people that you wouldn't you know, necessarily meet virtually, right? You, you would, you know, let me introduce you to another colleague and, and your circle expands. And so um, while security is an, a fantastic topic and we're all talking about the latest hacks and threats and, and things that you can do to protect against them, I think the other big piece to that from my perspective is really the opportunity to reconnect and to you know share and break bread and start to talk about, oh my gosh, have you seen this? And just really you know um, be a part of the community again. Yeah, I think 2023 is definitely the year that these live events are kind of back in earnest. And um, it will be my first RSA um, I've not attended before. So any tips? Uh, flat shoes, I'm thinking. Flat shoes. The thing I think was probably the most surprising to um, maybe myself when the first time I was there and some other folks is it's not you're used to going to um, hotel events. Right. So everything's contained in the hotel and you're kind of moving throughout the hotel. This is contained in San Francisco and you're moving throughout San Francisco um, now all within walking distance. But it's not always, you know, um, plan ahead. It's not always easy to get from point A to point B. Make sure that you're able to to get to your destination and and enjoy the the talk and relatively on time, um, you know, and, and just try to map out how you're going to spend your day because there's about four or five buildings. They're all around each other, but it does take a few minutes to walk between them. And if you think of thousands of people trying to do what you're doing all at the same time. You know, it does tend to have to navigate crowds and and navigate staircases and escalators and elevators and all that sort of stuff. So I always, you know, try to encourage people to to plan ahead. Flat shoes, absolutely, and understand it's a think of it more like an open college campus to where it's more moving from building to building, not kind of hotel space to hotel space. Well, it's quite nice that those hotel conferences, they're fine because they're compact, but sometimes you don't see the light of day, do you? You're like, what time of day is it? So at least we'll get to enjoy um, some of the San Francisco sunshine. And um, if anyone sees me stood in the street with a map looking lost, um, <laughs> please do point me in the right direction. Um, but Pam, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Um, some really great insights. And I look forward to hopefully seeing you um, in San Francisco. Look forward to it. Enjoy the conference. Thank you. So great to hear from Pam there and uh, some really good tips on the logistics of the event as well. And just a note on um, ISACA and its presence at RSA. Um, so ISACA and its One in Tech Foundation will have two sessions at the conference, um, both on Thursday, April 27th. So the Digital Trust Gap how cyber pros 
break silos to advance digital trust. Um, so last year, I think they released a report on digital trust. So that'll probably be following on from that. And also, again, as we mentioned, the skills gap and the training is always going to be a big topic of discussion. So their second session, again, on that Thursday will be um, is titled what workforce shortage create your own talent pipeline so interesting one for anyone that is struggling with that um, recruitment side of things in their cybersecurity teams so james i know you had a listen to pam and mine mine's chat uh, before we uh, sat down to record so what did you pick out as interesting and obviously it does cross over with what we've kind of highlighted as key talking points for rsa this year yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think the first bit, probably the um, federal government's initiatives around cybersecurity, which includes the the recently published national cybersecurity strategy, um, and also uh, President Biden's executive order in 2021, sort of ties into this as well. And yeah, Pam spoke quite a lot about S bombs, um, which is which is another topic that we've we've discussed a fair bit in in the magazine. And obviously, it's a big issue for for organisations at the moment, and a lot of federal government suppliers needing to adhere to um, the, these rules in, in the very near future. And also, it's something that applies to supply chain security more generally, um, which has obviously become a massive issue following the Solar Winds incident and many, many others like Kaseya that, that followed that as well. Um, yeah. I thought it was really interesting how she kind of, it's it is one of the biggest problems with the supply chain issue that it's not just your supplier it's your supplier's supplier yeah. and their supplier and the the SBOM requirements and how that's brought into federal government suppliers. You might even be a federal government supplier without even knowing it. So how that kind mm. of opens that can of worms, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of head scratching going around Um thinking how do I act on this what am I obliged to do what do I need to do what's best practice for me to be doing so definitely a big one um, that's going to come up a lot I think yeah yeah exactly like um, sort of almost fourth and um, fifth party suppliers is, is is an issue really now I was also interested to hear Pam talk about the challenges of open source software in this context as well and obviously there's um, increasing use of open source software which has a lot of benefits for organizations um, in particular cost and sort of ease of use um, but it does come with come with a number of security challenges as um, vulnerabilities are kind of easier to find for, for cyber threat actors uh, and yeah it's kind of it was on my mind because earlier this year I attended an event called State of OpenCon in, in London and it was really good to see that the White, White House's office of the National Cyber Director sent um, a team across to speak and sort of network at the event um, and I had the uh, privilege of sitting down with Camille Stewart-Gloster and Anjana Rajan from from that team um, to to kind of speak to them about federal government initiatives in in terms of securing open source software um, so I think that kind of policy aspect will be hopefully a, 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 a big aspect of of rsa as well um and they're very much in the in the stage of shaping the uh federal government policy in that area so really interesting area to keep an eye on and then as we've already discussed um it was also uh, interesting to hear pam talk about ai and chat 
and ChatGPT in particular, and how, and how, as we said before, that's brought the issue of AI to the mainstream, really, and is forcing us to consider adapting uh, security tools and, and methods as, as we know them now. Um, so something the whole industry really has to be taking a look at with a, ma with a matter of urgency. Yeah, that technology is just moving so quickly. Um, it's it's on everyone's mind. Everyone's going to be talking about it. I just hope that the conversations are useful and not too speculative um, and too pie in the sky because it is still an evolving um, technology, which I think OpenAI and other companies um, that are developing it. I mean, Google's developing their own um, AI to counter what um, OpenAI is doing. So there'll be a lot of movement in this industry still to come. Um, but with that, I think we've covered a lot. Hopefully our listeners have got a good idea of what to expect from this year's event. We'll, of course, both James and I will be there. If you want to say hi, do come and uh, ping us on Twitter and we'll uh, come and find you for one of those quick coffees. And we'll <laughs> be covering the event uh, with various articles and bits of content that will be on the Info Security magazine website so make sure you take a look at that every morning and we'll keep you updated with all the goings on and obviously follow us on twitter and linkedin but with that that has uh, kind of brought us to the end of today's podcast we could have spent at least another 20 25 minutes talking about chat gbt i think it, it came up three four times i think that was not too bad um we'll see how i might have to develop a bingo card for rsa um to see how quickly i can tick off AI, ChatGBT, and uh, yeah, open source. With that, thanks, James, for joining me. Massive thanks to Pam as well for sharing her thoughts and taking the time to speak about some of the topics we'll be covering. But until next time, that's it from us and uh, goodbye. Thanks again to our sponsor, Elastic. Elastic Security provides organizations with complete visibility across their entire enterprise environment in a single unified platform with capabilities in SIM, security analytics, extended detection and response, and cloud security. Thanks for listening to the Info Security Magazine podcast. For in-depth interviews with the industry's leading experts, check out our sister podcast where we sit down with a cybersecurity expert to discuss the hottest topics of the day and their personal journey into cybersecurity. And of course, for more news, analysis and expert insight, head to the InfoSecurity Magazine website at infosecurity-magazine.com.